The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Medjinomics with a friend of Medjugorje. It was June 26, 1981. The third day Our Lady appeared. Of course, 24th of June is when Our Lady appeared the first time. The 25th was the official day she says, I want to be recognized. But on the 26th, she appeared with a crowd of around 3,000 people, all who were drawn up to Apparition Mountain by the lights that was coming from the hill. And Ivanka, who had just lost her mother a few months before, asked if her mother had a message for her. And this is a really extraordinary moment because she's dead. She's in heaven. Ivanka's sure she's there. And she asked, what did her mother have to say to her? What would you think the answer could be? What did Ivanka anticipate that maybe her mother would say? Just put yourself in that position, one of your loved ones, and you ask the Virgin Mary, had they got a message for me? It's a wondrous thing. We had the simplest things with Medjugorje that took place that we don't savor the magnitude of that in the regards to, this is bizarre. And our lady did say something from Ivanka's mother. Her mother gave a message to Ivanka saying, quote, 
Obey your grandmother and help her because she is old. All the things Ivanka mothers could say, that's what she says. Did Ivanka's mother have to contemplate that? Did our lady have to contemplate what was going to be said? No, mother, don't tell your daughter that. You say this. How did that conversation come up with her? What was going to be given as a message? Except Ivanka spontaneously asks this, and immediately our lady comes back. Your mother says to you, obey your grandmother and help her because she is old. And naturally, what would be said is the most important thing that needed to be said with all the wisdom of heaven. So this is profound, and we should dissect that and see what insights we have for us. Obey your grandmother. Obedience is very important. And this is what we've lost in the whole world. We don't understand obedience because we're only getting taught in the family authority. The father's in authority and the mother's in authority. There's nobody teaching obedience to authority. The role of the father is to be in the authority position because God gave it to him. And the one who witnesses the obedience to that authority is the wife and the mother. You say, oh, I reject that. Well, then how do you have two authorities in the family witnessing to children that both of them are in charge when one disagrees with the other? How is it to be resolved? Through authority that God has established, and that's through the Father. You've heard me say this many times, but this is what's lost in the culture today, and that's why we suffer, and that's why children object, because the mothers object. I've got a right to disagree with my husband. No, you don't. When he makes a decision, as a father, his authority is to be obeyed. Ivanka was told from her mother, obey your grandmother. She's an old woman. Ivanka's young. She's 16. Why can't she do what she needs to do and know what she needs to do? Obey your grandmother and help her because she is old. You got to respect that because she's in authority. And that grandmother is to respect the husband. You teach your children. The father and the mother teaches the role of authority and the role of obedience. And we don't have the roles being taught. You may not like that, women, but your children will. And they will appreciate that when you teach obedience. You say, well, this is not always the case because I know more than my husband. No, you don't. You may be the wisest woman in the world. But even Mary, she's an example. The angel comes to her when she's by herself and says, you conceived by the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, even giving the name to him. And after that angel came, Mary finds herself in a quandary. Why? Because she's pregnant. How is she going to explain this to Joseph? What is she going to do? When he notices this, she doesn't say anything. Think about the power of what she had to do in just being quiet and letting God show the authority one in the family, Joseph, why this is. Because he was making up his mind to leave. And what did she do? She didn't object. She didn't say anything. She didn't defend herself. She said, Joseph, you don't know what you're doing. She said nothing. She waited on the authority. So we turn to the scriptures to find exactly what happened. It says her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to send her away quietly. But as he considered this, 
Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. You see what Mary did? She didn't go up there, well, I know what's going on. I'm going to go tell my husband. No, her silence said everything. She respected who he was, even though she was really in a crisis situation. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. So we have a perfect example of Mary showing the authority of Joseph. This is a really beautiful and very profound lesson that we need today in the world. Why? Because we don't have obedience anymore. I saw a child recently, while I was out, completely committing a tantrum against the mother, and all she does is try to bargain with him, trying to talk him into good behavior. And he was old enough to know better than the way he was acting. But the best lesson she could do, the best discipline, is that child sees the reaction to the husband. We have nobody teaching obedience in society because everybody's in authority. And so here it is, our lady comes on the third day apparition saying, obey your grandmother and help her because she's old. On September 20th, 1985, our lady says, if you shall bear and live the messages in your heart, everyone will feel it so that the words which serve those who do not obey will not be necessary. We are supposed to be witnessing obedience, not always authority. We have a void of lessons in witnessing of obedience. What about the man? Well, he's got to go to work. He's got a boss. He's got situations. He's got laws. He's got things that's underneath him that he has to obey too. So yes, he displays it, but also the gap is not there because if he's going to keep his job, he's got to be obedient. The great gap in the culture today is the wife to the husband. Our lady says, December 25th, 1987, I call you today with great seriousness to obey me and to do as I am calling you. Well, she's a woman. Why should we do that? Because she's in a hierarchical position as the mother of Christ. That would be natural. But what she's saying is to obey the Father. And she's given witness repeatedly in her messages, God the Father, obey God the Father, follow the commandments. So where does this go to? Why is this a problem we have in the world today? On June 23, 1982, our says, the most important thing is that you, the visionaries, remain united. How do you remain united? You have authority that helps keep you together. How does it keep you together? If you're obedient, you can't be fighting each other. You can't be strife. When authority comes in and says, you need to do this, then you both obey, then you come back to peace. Our lady continues after she's saying, the most important thing is that you, the visionaries, remain united. Let peace be among you. How do you have peace among you? How do you have peace in a family? You have to have authoritative position, singularly, that can bring that together, and one is in a senior position of authority, showing obedience to the superior authority, which is the father, the mother given that lesson. If I obey him, and I do and agree with him and do what he's saying, then the kids have to do that. You say, well, I'll obey my husband, but I don't agree with it. That's not obeying. 
You can't sit there and say, well, I'm going to obey the commandments. I just don't agree with them. That's not living the commandments. You'll be breaking it in your heart. You're objecting to God. God's authority, wherever it is, is God's authority, him speaking, and you are to obey it and to agree with it. Why? So that there will be peace among you and that you can remain united. How do you get a body of people working in a company and they're going to be obedient, but they don't agree with it? That's not unity, and they can't be powerful, and they won't be able to achieve completely what needs to be accomplished because they're not united. Let peace be among you, Alasis. Pay very close attention to that. She's emphasizing what? That I want you to remain united as visionaries, and I want to be peace between you. Pay very close attention to that. Obey and do what the priests and your parents tell you. The priests have jurisdiction on certain things. Obey them. Your parents have jurisdictions on different things. She puts them right there with the priest. They're important. And that's one of the first major messages that he says. Obey your grandmother and help her because she is old. And so the grandmother has authority underneath the authority of the grandfather. This is the way it works. And this is what you have to make your family work by. In a community, it's critical that we have obedience and agreement and peace among us. You can't live the spiritual life. You can't live the way God asks you to live by, by just by rules. I got to do this because of the rules, but I don't agree with the rules. The bishop asked me to write down a rule here. I said, we don't live by rule. We live by a way of life. Because our lady's inviting us to live this way in peace with each other. Authority is important. Authority here has to be obeyed. And when there's something or conflict, authority speaks, everybody comes to that position that is announced that's going to be followed unitedly in agreement. That's what makes power. That's why our lady told the group, pay very close attention to this, because she was going to make out of these six people witnesses that would be transferred to apostles throughout the whole world. If they're fighting each other constantly, our lady never would have got things off the ground. It wouldn't have happened. Our lady said, October 24th, 1985, Dear children, from day to day, I wish to clothe you in holiness, goodness, obedience, and God's love. The ingredients that we have to have to bring the family back into where it needs to be is obedience. It's that critical. How do you do that? You consecrate your house. You consecrate yourself. You consecrate your family. We hear feedbacks from all over the world. We got one question us about that. How do you start something like this in your family? So we have many feedbacks that come from all over the world. Uh, we have this feedback here that came from Australia just a few days ago. And the person writes to us, Hello, friend of Medjugorje. I heard you speak about how Our Lady wants us to consecrate our homes to her. Maybe this is a silly question, but how do we do that? Do we need a priest to consecrate our home, or is it just in the way that we live? And is it just a bit like baptism? Sorry, I don't really understand. I want to thank you for having the courage to say what you think and what our priests and bishops should be saying. An old friend of mine recommended that I look up Medj.com, and I'm so glad I did. I listened to your programs on the way to and from work, and they are a good conversation topic when I get home and talk to my wife. 
Please pray for my wife, our four boys, and myself that we can get to Metrigoria someday. God bless. Consecration is one of the places to start. Consecrate yourself. Consecrate your family. Consecrate your house. And be obedient. And exercise godly authority. This brings peace. This brings a united family, which is extremely rare today. We don't have these things. But to answer the question from the friend from Australia, is that you really, a consecration is just given ownership over to the Immaculate Heart or the Sacred Heart of Jesus. When you give them a consecration, you're saying, my title, the ownership of this real estate, my being, my soul, belongs to you and for your purpose. And you're to live for that. You can do it simply by just saying it. You can pray it. On our site, we have a prayer that's called Purify Your House and Consecration. To purify and protect your house. That's where you start. It can be found on a sidebar, Prayers and Novenas of the Community. I recommend you very strongly start at that point. And a consecration, yes, that would be good to bring a priest and holy water and salt. Do it once a year and consecrate your house Consecrate your family and your being, your work, your whole life over to a lady. It's powerful. It would have stopped Russia from all the problems we had if the bishops would have done it. It would have stopped the French revolutions. We've talked about that in a recent broadcast. Consecrations have power. When we did the consecration in the field in 2008, it was accepted. That was July 3rd, 2008. You know what we got out of that consecration? We got Obama. Our lady accepted it, and we got Obama elected, which is the best thing that ever happened to us because he was so bad and so wicked in his intentions, what he's doing from marriage to everything he did, that he brought the country down lower and then reelected another time. That consecration put him in office. It'll never change my mind. You don't have to believe it. I don't care. But it made things get so bad that people rose up and Put in somebody who's not even a politician. I know there are major people that don't like him, Donald Trump, but they're still listening to the lying voices. They haven't seen the plans of her lady and what she's doing. And things are changing around. And it comes back from the consecration for the United States of America that we heard verbally through Maria, the Virgin Mary said, I accept this consecration. And we did this out of obedience because she wants us to consecrate ourselves. She wants us to what she said. I call you today with great seriousness to obey me and to do as I'm calling you. If there's anything the world needs right now, it needs the respect for authority. It's breaking down everywhere. I wrote in How to Change Your Husband. Authority is not always right, perfect, or on target. But we are not excused from having deep respect for that authority simply because we do not see eye to eye or understand it or agree with it. To lack proper respect is to pull apart the central authority. The center, speaking about the authority, and what surrounds it will not be able to hold together and keep order, which in turn undermines those who are most in need of his protection. Authority is your protection. When you usurp it, you object against it, you get hurt by it because you eventually have to call upon that authority for your own protection. And if you tore it down, it's not there. So I continue. Undermines those who are the most in need of his protection, 
and who are the ones who destroy the order to start with by their disrespect. Once authority is usurped, it is lost and almost impossible to regain. When the time arises for those who rebelled against it to seek out its protections, it is not possible because it is no longer there. That's what happened in the French Revolution. They thought it was great. It brought anarchy and many of the bad things that we see today. So it's important to understand some fundamental things. These are just basic things about the messages that you might say, well, I know these things. You may know them, but are you putting it into your life? This is an absolute truth and necessary for us to grow, to receive the graces necessary to be happy. Because if you're not obedient, you're not going to be happy. Because if you're not obedient in the structures God has, you don't have obedience between God and yourself. And that does not make you happy. It actually makes you unhappy. You'll feel that. Those who are always doing the will of God are the most joyful, even in the sorrow. Our Lady says, give me your joys and your sorrows. Give it to my immaculate heart. If you're obedient, you'll always be consoled because you know in the will of God. And no matter what happens and what determines your day and your future, you're satisfied. You're content with it. These are some fundamental things that we have to sometimes go back to and look at in the messages and the basis of them and follow that. As I said before, I have a real sensitivity to obedience because I was punished in grammar school throughout my whole first through the eighth grade writing, I must obey. I must be obedient. And I would write that a hundred times, sometimes 500 times, and the nun would throw it right in the garbage can. And I wrote it more than anybody else because I was always acting up and I wasn't able to sit in my seat. I had too much energy. And I resented having to do that, but I'm so glad I went through that because this is burned into me. I must be obedient. Am I always good? No, I'm a sinner like everybody else. But still, I understand the importance of obedience and we have lost this in the family. We've lost it through the authority and we lost it in the marriage relationship. And that's the crisis we find ourselves in. You are hearing very meaningful words from a friend of Medjugorje. In just a moment, he will give a remarkable example of obedience to God's law, which will surprise you. But first, we want to share with you that many across the world rely on these broadcasts as their daily spiritual lifeline. These broadcasts are supported by listeners like you. For anyone who calls in and gives a tax-deductible donation of any amount, a friend of Medjugorje will send you for free the short book titled, It's Dark Outside which shows what happens when one is not obedient. Call Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Outside of the U.S., dial 001-205-672-2000. Or visit medj.com and click on Donate. Please reference this broadcast and the free short book, It's Dark Outside. Now, here is a friend of Medjugorje. Before we end this broadcast, I want to give you a perfect example of obedience when someone had lied and they regretted it because they know they went true before God. Rabbi Zachariah tells of an incredible story that shows how important it is to be obedient and why. In 1971, I was in Vietnam. I was in my um, mid-twenties. 
And my interpreter was a 17-year-old fellow by the name of Fum Hien, H-I-E-N. I hadn't seen him from 1971. Next time I spoke to him was 1988. 17 years later, he doubled up on his life by now. I said, Hien, what happened to you over all these years? He said, Ravi, you'll never believe if I told you the details. Let me tell you in a nutshell. Because I was a Christian, because I was an interpreter for the missionaries, because I interpreted for the American troops, I was one day arrested immediately and put me into prison. And as I was behind prison bars, they gave me the writings of Marx and Engels, brainwashed me into disavowing God. For month after month, after one and a half years of sheer mental torture, I said, all right, I'm not going to believe in God anymore. I'm going to disavow that this God actually exists. And he said, and so what happened as I began to reflect upon those issues, try to think of all that was at stake, I said, all right, I'm not going to believe in God anymore. And I wake up tomorrow morning for the first time in my life, I'm not going to pray. And he didn't. That day his commandant put him in care uh, to clean up the latrines in the prison. He said it was horrible. The stench was awful, Ravi. He says I could barely stand it. And as I was cleaning those latrines in the prison, I looked at the waste paper basket. He said I saw pieces of paper with human excrement on it. And I was emptying it into a bag when suddenly with the corner of my eye I had seen one of those was written in English. And I hadn't read English for so long now. I looked around when nobody was watching, washed away all the dirt from it and slipped that piece of paper into my pocket. I went back to my room that night, waited for all my roommates to go to sleep. And hidden under the mosquito net I, with a flashlight, I looked on that piece of paper and on the right hand side it said Romans chapter 8. And I started to read. And we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? And he goes on, who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus justifies. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine? He began to read and read and he says, the tears poured down my face. I got on my knees and said, Lord, you wouldn't even let me get out of your reach for 24 hours. Forgive me. Next day I went to the commander and said, do you mind if I clean the latrines every day? He went in every day and the commander had been given a New Testament by some missionaries a long time ago. He was using it for toilet paper every day in the latrine. He then would go wash the paper, put it in his pocket, bring it back. He was collecting the whole of the book of Romans here in a prison camp in Vietnam. Finally, they let him go and he was trying to escape. He built a boat with 53 others. Five Viet Cong came to him and said, you're trying to escape, aren't you? He says, no. Tell us the truth. You're trying to escape. He says, no. And they walk away. He says, here I I go a God again trying to run my own life when you've showed me you are in charge forgive me if they come to me again I will tell them the truth an hour before they were to depart these men came back said Hien you're trying to leave this country aren't you he said yes what are you going to do put me back in prison they took him into a room shut the door and said no we want to go with you they got onto that boat and on the high seas he and said they would have been drowned but these men were expert skippers and were able to move this boat ultimately to safety and to Thailand. Today he lives in California where he's finished his business degree serving the Lord in Christian ministry, remembering what God had done for him in the past. Ladies and gentlemen, he is not only the God who is our Heavenly Father, he is active in our life. So you have a perfect example of a true story. To quit trying to run your own life. And when everything looks so bleak, and you lie, you could be hurting yourself. He repents from it. 
is I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to be truthful before God. So the Viet Congs come back. And he says, yes, why are you leaving? Because we're escaping. We want to go with you. Part of the story that's not in this clip that we already, I've already listened to is that an enormous storm came up, was going to sink the boat, and these two guys, the Viet Cong, with the 53, was the two people on the boat that saved it because they're expert skippers. Sometimes God sends things our way that we can't see the plan. And the only way to navigate through our culture today, the only way to live is be completely obedient and let him run things rather you trying to contrive everything or determine the outcome, which is always disaster, by your will instead of a surrender will and follow even God's commandment, I shall not lie. It's an amazing story. And I teach you for all of us that a lady says, you listen to me, you obey me, because she's navigating the ship that we're on at this moment, and we're in a storm, and she's the export skipper. She's the one that will bring us to the shore. We wish you a lady. We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the Medjinomics broadcast with a friend of Medjugorje. These broadcasts are available as CDs, which are sent directly to your doorstep on a monthly subscription. For information, contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000.